Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today my guest is Emily Hampshire, who is best known for playing Stevie on the Emmy Award-winning series, Shit's Creek. Currently, she can be seen along with Adrian Brody in the epic series, Chapelweight. The show is based on the Stephen King short story, Jerusalem's Lot, and takes place in the 1850s. It follows Captain Charles Boone, played by Brody, who, after the death of his wife at sea, relocates with his children to the manor he grew up in in Maine. He hires Rebecca Morgan, an aspiring writer played by Emily, to help with his children. But there is more to the house than meets the eye. This interview was recorded at the beginning of September over the internet, so please forgive any audio weirdness. Well, hey, so prepping to talk with you, nearly every article that pops up right now is about an interview you did with Debbie Lovato on her podcast. And I see you laughing, and I promise I, I, I have an, I hopefully an interesting question on this, but there's basically <laughs> two headlines. <laughs> um, one is about how she asked you out on a date, and the other is about how you learn to identify your attraction to other people. And my question actually is, what is it like knowing that if you share something personal, it gets all this buzziness that people you have never met and will never meet are reading stories about it and making their own like judgments about you. I love that question um, because it's it's so interesting to me, this new world of where I can do a podcast with Demi that was, um, I thought, a really great conversation. And in the context of that conversation, everything that we said in there, I absolutely stand by and think is great. And, and But it's that then people take quotes from there and make an article out of it as if I gave an interview. And what bothers me is that A, family and friends I know don't know the inside of that kind of press industry where I didn't give an interview about my discovering my sexuality. I didn't give an interview about um, uh, Demi asking me out. Um, I'm just not someone who's going to do a piece about my sexuality or my, it, that, that bothers me. I don't mind uh, talking about it in the context of before having a conversation about LGBTQ plus issues and stuff like that. It's just, it feels very embarrassing to me, actually. Like it's, it makes me seem kind of, I guess, smaller than I would want to be. Um, I mean, imagine if I did a whole piece about Demi asking me out, I could. I could. <laughs> but, uh, well, save that for the book. Save that for a Yeah, while. <laughs> yeah. But so, and and if this were regular, I mean, whatever, most people would then make that the headline. There's these clickbait headlines. And it's just a really new thing to me because I remember when my dad had me on Google Alerts and every day he'd get maybe a few articles and then a thing about a, a cow in Vermont uh, who's in Hampshire, <laughs> Vermont or something. And now it's like you can't even get to the bottom of it and it's all me and Demi. <laughs> Well, maybe it turns out that she's actually talking about this cow in Vermont, and it's that the context got lost, you know? Maybe. No, it's, and it, it's, just to go, ahead, go ahead. just to 
because uh, I know this is very new, but um, uh, Demi came out as non-binary and so it's they now and which I get is a learning curve and stuff. Well, they and also get. I encourage people to listen to the, 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 the pod or the, the podcast or the, the video if they can watch it. Because uh, I, I do feel like I, I was going to make a joke, like our article is going to be Catherine Hara has an iPhone 4S, which <laughs> there's like 12 of us who would click on that. But I think yeah. what's interesting is how we do pick up those things. And um, I can imagine if uh, I, I shared something uh, personal and having people talk about it. And maybe if it was cool, I would feel one way, but I would be completely embarrassed. I, I, I don't know how I would react. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just interesting. I, I'm catching you on this tidal wave after all that too. So um, thank you for uh, uh, feeling comfortable enough to talk with me about it a little bit. I appreciate that. No, well, thank you for that question because that is a very thoughtful question um, about it. And I'm, I'm happy to be able to especially explain that to like my family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess if I had a follow-up, it would be, do you remember, or do you remember a moment aside from the, the, the cow we joked about, but do you remember the moment where you, Notice people started noticing you, like that things you did was were being written about or shared. Um, yeah, I I remember it very well because I think um, it, it was similar for all of the cast of Shits because the show really became popular, like really popular over quarantine. And so I was in <laughs> Scotland the first time I went outside without a mask. And um, that was the first time that I got this thing, which is like, oh, <gasps> which was startling to me. And I always love, I love when people yell, Stevie, I love, it's always nice because people love the show and it's so, and Stevie's such like, she's everybody's best friend. Um, but the, the shock thing is new and that was my first experience of it and um it's different I think it's different in the way that it's just it was so sudden for all but like I've been an actor my entire life and so I have it and, and in such a smaller pool in Canada and so we don't have a star system in Canada it's really kind of blue collar acting and so I could be the lead of 10 movies that went to TIFF and still never got recognized or even when shits came on I would get recognized but it would be more like you went to my high school didn't you you and they're <laughs> convinced that they know you and because I'm Canadian and polite I will be like maybe uh, I could never say like do you watch shits Greek um I have become a little more wary of oversharing and stuff because I used to be just very, when I'm having a conversation with you, Patrick, I wouldn't think of the result of it as much. I think of like, oh, I'm getting to know this cool person and, and don't not even thinking about what I'm saying. And when that gets out of context, especially in print and stuff, it's really like it makes you scared to say anything. Um, and also like going out, uh, 
I'm not scared of going out. Like I'm not, you know, uh, George Clooney, um, but um, it, just in terms of like, I probably wouldn't make out with somebody outside now. Whereas before I was making out with everybody outside everywhere. Like we all do, like we, we yes. all do. I mean, that's yes. just a natural thing. Well, I would say two things. One is uh, I feel like in Scotland, maybe some of that had to do with the fact that your character wore lots of plaid and he liked plaid in Scotland. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're, like, you're like an embodiment, like finally the representation we need. Um, yeah. And also I think maybe the new headline for our article out of context article would be, uh, that uh that you implied that i was cool i'm just going to run with that and yeah. <laughs> oh, i thought you were going to take emily makes out with everyone everywhere but that... <laughs> i feel like that would be like the sub headline because it'd be yeah, like yeah yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um i have a lot more questions about Shit's creek but i want to jump to your current show right now and then we can we can go back um right now you're doing uh, a show on epics chapel weight and it, i like the way it's spelled c-h-a-p-e-l-w-a-i-t-e i have my my tom waits shirt on Ooh, that's good unrelated that's good. but it's based on the stephen king short story uh jerusalem's lot um what can you tell us about the show well it's um it's a gothic horror based on a stephen king short story which um starring adrian brody academy award winner adrian brody upcoming actor you know yeah yeah um <laughs> what's interesting is the up-and-coming actors in it the three children um ian uh serena and jennifer these are, are play um adrian's kids i mean not adrian he plays charles boone um i'm terrible at explaining this show um no, not I because it's not it's, explainable it's got but some because i get uh, yeah and, and i get diverted on sidetracks which they're such great actors like i feel like the takeaway is you go in for the adrian which you know you're gonna get like an amazing performance and you do and then you get this bonus of these three kids who will blow your mind um but anyways to get back to your question it's um it's basically about um, this man, Charles Boone, who uh, goes back to, brings his children back to this ancestral home that he's been bestowed um, and ends up having to battle the darkness within. Um, basically, and then I come on. I and then, come he makes out, then he makes out with everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I come a knocking, and um, in the guise of being a, a governess, um, but really, uh, I am. I'm a writer um, who has a story that I'm kind of having writer's block, and so I go into this house thinking it's going to be a lot of inspo for me, and it ultimately ends up uh being i mean i find out a lot more get more inspo than i bargained for like real stuff yeah and i think it's safe to say that this is a drama and uh, a, a horror drama as i see it being labeled i, I yes. want to be careful of how much I, I reveal but um i'm going to ask you something very specific so in the second episode there's a scene where um your character rebecca uh she comes across like a, a folio and it has old letters from her father and Captain Boone, uh, Aiden Brody walks in and your character has to explain how her father abandoned her family and then started a second family. And then she's like, yeah, if you want, you can have these letters. And you're like, I don't know. And then like, you end up taking the letters. It, it's a small scene, but <laughs> there's so I much in the scene. I love you so much. Okay, oh, sorry. I think that's the new headline. But wait, how did you approach the scene 
and the the reveals in it and then kind of like there's not a comedy but adrian is kind of funny in the scene he has like a little funny moment i think so um it's just so funny to me that you point out that scene because um the creators of the show will love hearing this because we've become really great friends well basically that scene um is where I, you know, I knew that my father who abandoned us a long time ago um, was working for the Boone family. Um, and, and so discovering that in the house and then being caught by Charles was, um, there was just a lot going on in that scene, a lot of layers and a lot of kind of ancestral information where our ancestry kind of lines up in ways that will ultimately be very enmeshed. This is a creepy scenario, but I don't mean it to sound like that, but if I were to come to your house and find a leather bound book with my last name on it and be like, oh, okay, you know, Holland, you know, something, but open yep. it up and there's letters from my father. <laughs> I know. Okay. okay that's then, great. Okay. But under the guise of also this house and some horrific things that are already weird. Yeah, I think there would be some, some questions. possible questions that would you'd hope gets answered later. <laughs> yes, um, I think that's a hilarious scenario. And the only thing that didn't make it that hilarious for me in that scene was that I think there was, there was some backstory about um, that my father had worked for the Boones, but he, but Charles Boone didn't know that's so what is really like, the scenario you're talking about where I go to your house and find <laughs> letters from my father. That would be so funny. Not funny, haha, I'd find it funny, but it would be insane. Um, but it actually, if you take it for what it is in the show, it is such a weird, crazy moment to have to explain when you're there pretending to be a governess. Obviously, we know you from Schitt's Creek. You're a very funny person. You're very funny in that show. It's a comedy. But I think I've always had this theory that the line between a comedy and like a drama is so thin. And so we just laid out a scenario which, for all intents and purposes, could be in a sitcom, but it's in a horror movie that's, or a horror TV show that takes place in the 1850s. How do you navigate that line so it's not funny, if you know what I'm saying? Um... So this is why we're best friends, because I, everybody usually asks, like, what are you going from comedy to drama? How do you do that? Or what do you, um, and not to belittle those questions, it makes sense for most people. Um, but I too think the line between comedy and drama is, is not only thin, I kind of think there's, to me, those lines blur a lot, especially in, in the case of like Schitt's Creek, I feel like I have more dramatic moments in that than I was doing this other show, All Monkeys, which was a drama. And, um, but I was playing a crazy person and I feel like I have more comedic moments in that. Um, Cause to me, that is always, I can't separate them, but, but to answer your question too, there was a lot of moments where I found the funny in something that, Either they allowed me to have a little bit of it, but but for the most part, it was like 
you can't make that a joke. Yeah, the vampires not are not they're not funny actually in it. They're terrifying, but um there was sometimes things that I would find funny that are aren't funny when you watch the show. They're oh. funny when you're on set. <laughs> well, I also think yeah, you have the luxury of like time and thinking about it and you're you know, from what I can see, their performance is really wonderful, but I imagine you're not, maybe you are, I don't know, are you a Daniel Day-Lewis, like, I'm in the character the whole time person, or you're like, all right, let's get a coffee, and you're talking with Adrian between scenes, like, I imagine that's what's going on. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if Adrian was a Daniel Day-Lewis um, actor. Um, what I discovered and love about him is while he's super serious about the work and, and you know, is present in all the scenes he does have a sense of humor and a very good one and one where he can laugh at himself and at and so that was I think that is what you do in in kind of dramas and dark dramas where it's that gallows humor where and I have a lot of that where I find the saddest most terrible circumstances funny um but also what was so great is that the creators um Peter and Jason Filardi who are brothers when I had my first meeting with them, they had said, I, I was like, why, why me for Rebecca? Because most people at that time were sending me parts that were just like Stevie. And, um, and they said that they really wanted a modern Rebecca and they wanted someone who was ahead of their time and a different kind of thing that you would expect um, in that role. And there's probably some outtakes I could send you where I'm I'm laughing about the letters. Well, I look forward to seeing them as your okay. new best friend now. So I, again, I just want to, we've increased now. I'm best friends with the. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's based off a Stephen King short story. I have to ask, what's one of your favorite Stephen King books or what's one of your favorite uh, like film adaptations of one of his books? Well, what's so crazy is that when I, when this script came to me, I had just sold my own show that I'm a writer on and I was reading. Yeah. And I couldn't tell anybody about this because at the time it was a secret. And, um, and I was reading Stephen King's book called on writing and it, he wrote a book about writing, which is a great book. And I was literally reading that book when this project came to me to play Rebecca Morgan in the 1850s, who is a writer. Basically she's Stephen King in the 1850s in a corset. I love this. And also love the fan fiction this can create clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> congratulations first on selling a series. That's huge. And Thank then you. to have that, that, um, I love when people have an extra like beat to their like artistry. So you're an actor or a comedian or, or now a writer. That's like, it's gotta be so rewarding. But then I also have to wonder, like you're watching or reading his book on writing. I don't know. Did you ever get to actually meet or talk with him? And I'm like, well, I got a question about like how you end and on, you know, like uh, on writing. Yeah. Did you have questions for him? Oh, I would have had a lot of questions for him. And I have, I've tagged him in every post I've made. <laughs> and even for Halloween, uh, I was Stevie King. I wore plaid and I had like the twins and the, everything behind me and uh, tagged him. Never heard anything. I've never actively been like, dear Stephen, um, Steve. <laughs> uh, but you know, I guess he's busy. But what was crazy was that, so I read the short story, Jerusalem's Lot, before I did this. Um, and there's no Rebecca in that story. So she's an addition. 
a good one, I think, not that Stephen needs any help with his writing, um, but yeah, there was, there was none of that. And usually Stephen, I keep wanting to say Steve, <laughs> uh, usually Stephen puts um, um, a writer in his stuff. And so I think it was a great addition by the Filardis to like add a writer and the writer is a woman. Um, that's fun. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so uh, the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. Emily, what's your current obsession? Well, I mean, my my, my current obsession is is design like uh, interior design because really? I just got a new place and that's all I'm doing is like going down this interior architectural design um, rabbit hole but I was thinking I should not tell you that one because it didn't seem that interesting it's interesting to me is there a certain particular style you're, you're or theme you're going for in your home um yeah my home is very 70s kind of and so um I've gotten into Horace Gifford, this um, architect who from from the past, um, but very much like um, how do I explain? There's a lot of wood and very I like modern design, but with like well, mid century modern, I guess more, but with a little more hedge to it. I don't know. I've just gone down, but I'm also like super obsessed with arts and crafts. Like I, I like making things. I make everything. Um, if I want something, I usually make it instead. Um, so my friend Mila, um, is, uh, such a movie buff and, and she's, was a movie critic, a critic, and she always wants to get me to watch movies. And I'm like, I, on TV and stuff. And I don't, I only watch murder. That's another thing I'm obsessed with is murder, um, true crime and, or not, not the act of murder, but like stories. No, and- not okay. murdering, but that could be the headline. <laughs> um, See, you're learning now, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I'm obsessed with that and documentaries. And I feel like if I'm going to watch a, a fiction thing it needs to be for a work reason or going to change my life and so it takes a lot to get me to watch anything um and so now when I'm when she tries to get me to watch a movie and then she'll look over and I'll be glue gunning something and she's like oh yeah Emily doesn't like movies she just likes glue gun and that's (laughs) all I do is glue gun things and are you like a glue gun aficionado where you have like the serious glue gun or like the little first one you get that kind of like well I have this I have the serious one in LA. I'm in Canada where I have the, the smaller one, the, <laughs> the smaller, you know, the serious one. Yeah. Yeah. The self-deprecating one, the yes. apologetic one. <laughs> I, I'm going to kind of melt, but I won't get really. Yeah, melty, and I'm, so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I melted so not fully. I want to wrap up and we do a thing called pick one. I give you a couple of choices and you pick one. It doesn't mean the thing you select is better than the other thing, but let's play pick one. Okay. Yeah. 
I have a hard time making decisions. I usually want no, no. everything, but, and, but okay. uh, I forgot to say the most important rule, talk it out. That's what. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. So first one I have is LA or Toronto. Pick one. Oh, LA. Cool. Why that was easy for me is just like, first of all, I'm from Montreal originally, and I lived in Toronto and I do love Toronto, but being a Montrealer, I'm supposed to hate it. And uh, <laughs> so I, I can't say a that I love Toronto, but also I love LA so much, which is rare for a Canadian, but I think it's because I moved there not for work and I really kind of made it my home. Um, so yeah, LA and the weather. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. great. Um, the next one I have is voiceover or being on screen. Pick one. Oh. I mean, God, oh, that's, I thought that would be so easy because my favorite thing about voiceover is like going in your pajamas, doesn't matter what you look like. However, the only thing that gave me pause there was that being on screen, you get to usually tell better stories, I think. Um, for the most part, like if I'm doing voiceover, I'm usually a cartoon and I'm usually a cartoon boy or ghost or, well, I played this part called Misery once, like unhappy, angry teenage boys. That's my, my hit. <laughs> <laughs> like I put on some Nirvana right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess I would say, my person, me, who I am, is much more comfortable not on screen. Um, and I'm very odd. I am talking this out too much, but I am very no, like, uh, sound, the sound of someone's voice matters to me so much that I could not be friends with you if the sound of your voice bothered me. Okay, um, I am using some voice altering software, so hopefully this this warm baritone. It but might it's not usually be that where that voice is coming from. Like if you can tell, it's an insecure place, or if it's like. Oh, so you're talking oh, yeah, like more like the intention in the voice. Oh wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, because I feel like I can usually hear things too. Like if you're, you know, if you're trying to sell me on something, even if I want that thing, I don't want it. I can't, I don't I like that reaction. tone of selling me. Or like that, that right? wind up tone where it's, it's like, the, yeah, I know where you're, no, I'm not. I know no. where you're going. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't like any bullshit tone. Um, but so I would, I'd say voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the last one. And I, I apologize for this in, in advance, but uh, pick one, the Friends reunion or a Schitt's Creek reunion movie. Oh, I mean, this is too easy because uh, 100% a Schitt's Creek reunion movie. I am the only person in the world who didn't watch Friends. Okay, so we, we obviously talked a little bit about Schitt's Creek. And and you. what's great is you you put in really a good perspective how it was pretty much a, like a small show, an indie show, like a cool comedy nerd. Um, yeah. And then it got really big. I have always been such a big fan of Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. What are they like and how has your relationship with them evolved over like, it's like six years basically at Schitt's Creek? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it this flows very nicely because they are so Canadian that um, to the point where they are so, like if somebody offers them coffee, like if an AD offers them coffee, they will be like, no, no, no. And they will go get the entire crew coffee. And then you feel 
next to that, like you're an asshole because you're not getting everyone coffee. They're being too um, nice. <laughs> they're just oh, too nice, so nice. Um, but also so great to have them be our kind of the you know the captains of the ship head of the show and showing that by that by example that there are no egos on set and so it was such a a great place a great show to work on when you feel like an equal you're made to feel like an equal to Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy by them so that's pretty amazing and since then I mean it's just, we have become like a family, um, especially when we started touring with each other and we missed that. Um, but Eugene, I have to think to call him Eugene because I still want to call him Mr. Rose. In uh, all sincerity, thank you so much for uh, taking time to talk with me. I, um, I'm i going to just enjoy remembering this moment and uh, yeah, I'm going to brag to everyone that you're my best friend now, so. No, thank you so much. I want to thank Emily for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch Chapel Wait on Epics with new episodes coming out every Sunday. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.